Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptised by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw some, many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptise you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptised by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfil all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptised, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. I do encourage you to keep your Bibles open as we work through this passage together. Let's pray and ask that God would help us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this part of your word and the way that it points us to Jesus the King. Please help us to understand what we hear. And Lord, help us to respond rightly. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you know, it goes about the same way that uh, every time that Jess and the kids go away. At first, I don't mind the time to myself. I enjoy a day or two of cooking all the spicy food that I like. But then I start to miss them and I look forward to them coming home. 
And then the last day before they come home, it's always the same. It's clean-up day. Clean the kitchen, I vacuum and mop the floors, I put everything away, I make sure that the place is spick and span, ready for Jess's return. Now, it's not because I'm trying to hide something. Actually, I'm quite neat and tidy by myself. It's because I want Jess to come home to a clean house. I want her to find things nicer than when she left. I want to be ready for her. You know, it's something like that that we read about here in Matthew 3. The people need to get ready. But not for their wives to come home from being away. They need to get ready because the king is coming. Matthew, he's had us expecting this from the very beginning of his book. Remember back to Jesus' genealogy in chapter 1, which showed us, shows us that Jesus is descended from both Abraham and David. He is the fulfillment of God's promises to both of them. The one who will bring God's blessing to all the families of the earth. The king that God promised will rule forever. At Christmas, we saw the pregnant virgin and we heard the angel's message to Joseph. This is no ordinary baby. This baby will save his people from their sins. This baby is God with us. And then we saw the wise men following the star, seeking Jesus, the new king of the Jews. And when Herod tried to kill Jesus, Jesus escapes to Egypt and he returns and grows up in Nazareth. See, Matthew has been showing us that Jesus, God's promised king, is coming. In fact, he's just up the road in Nazareth right now. And now John comes to get the people ready for God's king. But this message, it's not just a message for God's people then. It's a message for us now. Because John shows us how we should respond to this king that God has sent. Not because he's coming, but because he has already come. So listen up, because this message is for you and I too. How do you get ready for God's king? I may have spoiled a bit in the kids' talk. John's message is actually quite simple. Repent, the king is coming. See it in verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John's message is quite short. It's simple, but it's rich. See, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God's people, they've been expecting this kingdom for a long time. Since God promised David that one of his descendants would rule on the throne forever. Since the Babylonians came and defeated God's people and captured their king and carried them off into exile. Since Daniel's vision of a kingdom established by God that would defeat all other kingdoms and last forever. This is the kingdom of the God of heaven. The one who rules over all things. The one who now comes to establish his rule in the hearts of his people. John is saying the kingdom is at hand. Literally, it's come near. It's right around the corner. John doesn't mean it's coming sometime soon. It's already here. It's not like me getting ready for Jess coming home and she's an hour away and I'd better get start vacuuming. It's like she's standing at the front door and her hand is up and she's about to knock. 
It's like she's sitting in the car in the garage about to hop out and come inside. She's already here. That's what John is saying. This kingdom is here. But this kingdom, it demands a response. The people are to get ready. Not by cleaning the kitchen and vacuuming the floors. The people are to repent. Repent, it's one of those churchy kind of words, isn't it? A word we read a lot in the Bible. But it's actually not that complicated. It simply means to turn away from and to turn to. To turn away from sin and to turn to God. It's like when you're driving along following the GPS. Most of the time, if you take a wrong turn, it just reroutes you and takes you a different way to the same destination. But sometimes uh, you've taken such a wrong turn that there is simply no way that the GPS can fix you up. Have you had that happen to you before? You are headed the wrong way. So what does the GPS say? It says perform a U-turn where possible. (laughs) You need to turn around. The way you're going is wrong. It won't take you to your destination. All that is left for you is to turn around and go back the other way. And that's what it means to repent. It's to recognise that we have been living wrong. We've been going our own way. We've rejected God's rightful rule as our creator and we've tried to live our own way. And deep down, that's what sin is. It's rejecting God's rightful rule and living our own way. A way that can never make us right with God. A way that will never lead to life. A way that only leads to death. When we repent, we perform a U-turn. We turn away from living our own way, away from doing our own thing, and we turn to God. We believe what he has said. We recognise our dependence on him. We confess our sin. We ask for his mercy and his help. We seek to live as he commands. That's the proper response to God's kingdom. To turn around, to repent. That's what John is calling God's people to do. Now this shouldn't actually be a surprise for God's people. This was always the plan. Hundreds of years earlier, the prophet Isaiah said that this would happen. Verse 3. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. And this is the passage that we read earlier in the service. It's from back before Babylon defeated God's people. Isaiah, he's just been warning God's people about God's judgment on them and on the nations. And then all of a sudden, the tone shifts. God speaks to comfort his people. After this judgment, God will restore them. A messenger will come to the people to to call them to prepare the way. Because the Lord himself will come to his people. God will come to save them. Matthew is saying, that's John. He's the messenger. God himself is about to turn up and to save his people. If that's not enough to give God's people a hint, John is even wearing the outfit. 
Now Malachi said that before God's king comes, Elijah would come and prepare the way. And John is dressed in camel hair and a leather belt like Elijah. The king is coming. The people had better listen up. And actually they do. Verse 5. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptised by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So there's this big crowd from Jerusalem, Judea, all around the Jordan. They're responding to this message. They're confessing their sins. They're coming to be baptised. John's baptism, it was a picture of the repentance that he was calling God's people to. In those days, baptism was not something a Jew would do. In fact, baptism was something done to Gentiles who converted to Judaism. It was something for those who weren't God's people. It pictured the need for to turn away from sin and to be washed to be part of God's people. And there's something scandalous, something radical about Jews coming to John to be baptised. They are recognising that they are sinners. They need cleansing like Gentiles. Their baptism is a picture that they're turning away from their sin and turning to God for forgiveness, for a fresh start. See, they get it. They get the response that is required and God has worked so they respond by repenting and confessing and being baptised. We need to hear this call to repent too. This is the same response called for now after Jesus' death and resurrection. This is the response that Peter called for in Acts 2. He said, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. It's a response Paul called the people of Athens to make in Acts 17. He said, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Maybe you're not someone who has responded to Jesus and trusted in him. Maybe you're still investigating this Christianity thing. John is calling for you to make a response to Jesus. God's promised king. In Jesus, the kingdom of heaven has come. God is bringing about his rule in the hearts of his people. He will come to judge and his kingdom will last forever. So repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn away from your sin. Let go of running your own life without God. Turn away from finding hope and comfort and security in fleeting things that are made. Things that can never satisfy. Turn away from living your own way. It only leads to death. And turn to God. Acknowledge your need for him. Confess your sin to him. Believe what he has said. Turn to him in dependence and in faith. If you haven't been baptised, be baptised. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. If that is you, come and talk to me after the service. I'd love to talk with you more about that. But maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. You've already repented and you have been baptised. I want to say this is still a call for you. 
This is still our response to Jesus, God's King. Baptism, it is something which is done once as a picture of how God forgives us and washes away our sins once and for all. But repentance is not one and done. It is something we continue for all of our lives. We are constantly to be turning away from sin and turning to God in faith. Martin Luther made this point. The very first of his 95 points that he nailed to the door of the church in Wittenberg at the start of the Reformation. It said this, When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, Repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. See, until Jesus returns, until we are made perfect with him, we need to keep recognising sin in our lives, keep turning away from it, and keep turning to God for help. We will always be growing in this for our entire lives. So are you putting up with sin in your life? Are you nursing sin that you don't want to give up? Have you lost the drive to keep growing in your faith and keep growing to be more like Jesus? Repent. Turn away from your sin and turn to God. Are you discouraged? Do you feel like God must surely be sick of you by now? How could he forgive you for that same thing again? Hear what John says. This is not just a command, it is an invitation. This is God calling you to turn away from sin and to come to him. He never runs short of mercy. His grace is more than your sin. He is like the father with open arms to welcome the prodigal home. Repent. Turn from your sin and turn to God. Maybe you do regularly confess and repent of your sin. That's great. Keep going. Until Jesus comes back or we go to be with him, we aren't finished yet. So whether you're nine or you're 90, keep repenting. Keep turning away from sin and turning to God. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. But John's not finished there. He dials it up. If they are to truly repent, they must also bear fruit. The king is coming. John sees the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming down to his baptism. These guys are the religious and political bigwigs of Jesus' day. We don't know whether they were coming to be baptised to make a show of being repentant or if they were just coming down to see this John guy and check him out for themselves. But John calls them out, verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. See, true repentance bears fruit. It's not just something you talk about, it's something that you do. And it changes your life. It should bear fruit in how you live, in how you relate to others, in how you spend your time and your money. It should bear fruit in humility and in patience. It should bear fruit in joy. If we truly turn away from sin and turn to God, our lives will show it. 
But these religious bigwigs, they're depending on their pedigree. They're proud of the fact that they were born into God's people. They think that gives them an automatic ticket for the kingdom of heaven. They don't think that they need to make this response. But again, John calls them out. Verse 9. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Their heritage doesn't guarantee them a place in God's kingdom. They can't just keep doing whatever they want. In fact, if God wanted to, he could take the river stones where they're standing and turn them into children of Abraham. Hear the warning here. Your spiritual pedigree is not enough. It's not enough that you're born into Christian family. Uh, it's a great blessing to hear the gospel from a young age. But you need to hear and respond to the gospel yourself. You need to respond to Jesus. It's not enough that you've been going to church for decades and decades. It's not enough that you've been on committees and rosters. It's not enough to be Presbyterian. Have you responded to Jesus? Have you turned away from sin and turned to God? Repent and bear fruit. John warns them that this king is coming to save, but also to judge. And they need to take this seriously. Verse 10, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. The kingdom is at hand. The axe is lined up at the root of the tree, ready for that first swing. This demands a response. And anyone that continues in rebellion against God, that doesn't bear the good fruit that flows from true repentance, will face judgment. This king that's coming, he is very worthy of this kind of response. Verse 11. I baptise you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit, and fire. In Jesus' day, it was a common for, for a teacher to have disciples who would follow him and learn from him. They would serve their teacher in all sorts of ways, but they would never, ever carry his dirty sandals. That was below even a disciple, below a Jewish servant. But John says that this one that is coming is so great. Even John the Baptist won't be worthy to carry his sandals. John, he's baptised with, with water as an outward picture of repentance. But this coming king, he will pour out his promised Holy Spirit on his people. Like a refiner's fire, this spirit will do the refining work, not just on the outside, but on their hearts. John's baptism is on the outside, but the baptism of this king will be a baptism that changes hearts and purifies his people. The king will separate the wheat from the chaff. Verse 12. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. It's still done in some places today. You can see a picture of it there. 
At harvest time, the workers use a winnowing fork to throw the grain up into the air. The wind blows away the useless chaff and the grain falls to the ground. And the king is going to do that with his people. The time for the harvest has come. He will gather up his wheat, but the chaff will face judgment. Unquenchable fire. The difference? Those who repent. Who turn away from sin and turn to God. Who bear the fruit of genuine repentance. They are the harvest that the king has come to gather. John is telling us something important here. True repentance bears fruit. It will bear fruit in changed hearts and changed lives. It will cause us to act and to live differently. We'll relate to others differently. So are you bearing fruit? Has turning away from sin and turning to God made a real difference in your life? Can other people see it? Is it obvious from your bank statement? From your calendar? From the way you talk? The way that you treat others? If not, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Turn to God and ask him to keep changing you as you keep turning from sin and turning to him. Maybe as you think about that question, you're not sure. Or maybe you're discouraged by a lack of fruit in your life. Sometimes God's work in our lives is slow and steady. It happens over years. So don't just look right now. Look back over the last five years, the last ten years. Can you see how you have grown to be more like Jesus? Can you see God bearing fruit in your life? If so, then give thanks and keep bearing fruit. John, he's set the stage. The king is coming, the mighty one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire, who comes to harvest and to judge the Lord God himself. The people are getting ready. And now the king comes. To be baptised? Jesus appears on the scene. We already know that Jesus is a promised king in the line of David. The one who will save his people from their sins. God with us. And after all that John has said, we're expecting Jesus to burst onto the scene in a show of power. To come in judgment and in fire. Verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. This is a surprise. Jesus doesn't come in power to judge. He comes to be baptized, to participate in this sign of repentance. And even John is shocked. Verse 14, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. This isn't what John expected the king to do. But that's what we're going to see over and over again as we work our way through Matthew. Jesus isn't the king that God's people expected. Jesus is the gentle king. 
that's how he describes himself in Matthew 11. He calls all those who are weary and heavy laden to come to them to him and he will give them rest for he is gentle and lowly in heart. He has come to save his people from their sins. And this isn't what they expected. Where they expect Jesus to lead a violent revolt, Jesus will come to suffer and to die for his people. Where they expected Jesus to overthrow Rome, he will defeat the far greater enemies of sin and death. John expects Jesus to come in judgment, but first he comes to seek and to save the lost. And it begins here at the River Jordan. Jesus has never sinned. He has nothing to repent of. He is the mighty one who brings the kingdom of heaven. And yet in obedience to the word of the prophet and in accordance with his father's will, he comes to be baptised for his people as their representative. And this is fitting to fulfil all righteousness, that Jesus joins in the repentance of his people as their representative. And even here, at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus humbles himself to be baptised for his people. The gentle king has come to save his people. And he's not just God's promised king. He's far more. Verse 16. When Jesus was baptised, immediately he went up from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus is not just God's promised King. He's not just filled with the Spirit. He is God's own Son. God's beloved Son, with whom he is well pleased. And after 400 years of silence, no prophets and no word from God, God himself speaks to his people to declare that Jesus is his beloved son. This is the one who will save his people. The one who is worth turning away from sin to turn towards. Jesus. The gentle king who comes to be baptised for his people. God's own son who will suffer and die so that our sins can be forgiven. God's beloved son given for us because God so loved the world. This is a king worth following, a king worth trusting, a king worth repenting and turning towards. Jesus, the gentle king who saves his people. So repent. Turn away from your sin and turn to the gentle king. He will not turn you away. He offers mercy and grace, full and free forgiveness through his death on the cross. He is gentle and kind. He will give you rest. Your sin will only ever lead to death. It is only ever a burden. But this is a king who can give you life. A king whose yoke is easy and whose burden is light. This is a king who will welcome you every time you keep turning to him. Repent. 
The only fitting response to a king like this is to get ready, to repent. So whether you're not a Christian yet or you've followed Jesus all your life, will you respond to Jesus, the gentle king? Repent and bear fruit. In Jesus, God's beloved son, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this part of your word. and Thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he is the gentle king who calls all to come to him. That he has come to seek and save the lost. Thank you that although we sin many times, we can keep turning away from sin and turning to you in faith. Thank you that you give us full and free forgiveness and that you're working in us to change us to be more like Jesus. Father, please work in our hearts this week that we might repent and keep repenting to keep turning to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.